0: Hello, hello, hello everyone. Welcome to Dumb Sub Devotion Live. We are excited to be here with you today and we are going to record a podcast today live for you to listen in and to hopefully join in. So the chat and the live stream will give you an opportunity to share with us any questions or feedback that you have for us as we're kind of sharing and talking through what it is that we're doing here tonight. And the topic that we're going to talk about really is marriage. And, you know, the fact that tomorrow is our 13 year anniversary. And actually just a little bit ago, I was looking at a few pictures of 2011, (laughs) like right before our wedding, because we got married in Key West. We're from Minnesota. So, We had to fly to Miami and then rent cars and then drive all the way down across all the islands and all the bridges uh, to get all the way down to Key West.
1: We need to do that again.
0: Yeah. And if you've never done that, if you've never done that drive, it's absolutely stunning. The, I think it's called the seven mile bridge that goes like just forever over open water. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely beautiful. So, yeah, please feel free to share with us in the chat any questions you have for us or reflections that you have on the topic that we're talking about. And we'll try to address those and make this a little bit interactive at the same time as we are recording this for our audio listeners, too. So, yeah, tonight I want to talk really about how dominance and submission has played into our marriage tomorrow being 13 years of being married to each other 13 years ago that we stood on a beach. Were were we barefoot?
1: I think I, I walked down barefoot. I think
0: you were barefoot and I had shoes on. Yeah. So, you know, of those 13 years, the first eight, we tried to do it the way that we knew or thought we knew what we were doing. And then the last five, we've done this underneath the, or inside of the umbrella of a dominant submissive dynamic. And to me, it's really been a powerful shift. It's been, it's very marriage is very different now Mm -hmm. than what it was five years ago, six years ago, before we kind of took off on this journey. So one of the things to me is that over time, and as we've grown closer and more, more deeply connected and more intimate in how close that we are as a couple, um, this feels more to me like what marriage was always intended to be or what the point of marriage is in the first place
1: yeah I would agree with that
0: and the reason I say that is because marriage a lot of times gets put into this like it becomes one of the things that gets done as a part of the progression of life you know at least this is kind of the way it was for us, which was, you know, you grow up, you go to school, you finish school, you maybe go to college, maybe don't, but then you meet someone, you date, you fall in love, you get engaged, you get married. It's just kind of a part of the progression. And, you know, I think in our own ways, we both fell into that in our first marriages especially and we did it with each other too.
1: Well even more importantly, yeah, yes. Even more importantly, you got to look at what was marriage? What were the examples of marriage when you were growing up? Like, did you know anyone who looked like they dated each other, loved each other? Like there was this passion, like I don't know. Did you? Because in my experience, I can't think of anyone. Maybe, maybe one.
0: I knew some people, like friends of my parents, who still liked each other, or at least it seemed that way. Like they exactly they just still, liked
1: each other. They still
0: like, <laughs> but it, that was it. Like for me, the best example that I had, and I'm glad you brought that up, is the best example I had were people who didn't hate each other (laughs) exactly but if we're gonna do this thing right where we make this commitment to be like it's you and me forever again we talked about this in an older episode but there has to be a why why the hell do we even do that
1: well rewind me and it was just what was displayed to me in life like Mm. what the progression that you shared before except maybe not necessarily go to college and then you find somebody that you're gonna spend the rest of your life with and it was almost as if thinking back now it was almost as if like that was the end of the sentence and that's it now you just are together
0: now you just do this and
1: and there was an assumptiveness that marriage is, like, just great.
0: Yeah. Or or people would say, oh, it takes work. But nobody yes. would ever talk about what that meant.
1: Right. And we all have our own associations with the word work. Like, what? Really? Yeah. Like, I don't like work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the, the point being, like, there why do we do this why do we get into relationship and make this these long term permanent commitments to another person and then in most cases just kind of fucking wing it yeah and without any real attentiveness to the relationship the point of the the relationship what's it for why are we even in this thing together, what are we doing together rather than other than just helping to divide household tasks and
1: being roommates that are friends with benefits. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And I'm sorry, but if you don't have some sort of conscious intention around being more than just roommates with benefits, like again, back to my examples, it's about the best that it seems like you could hope for out of a marriage was that you still liked each other enough that you wanted to stay roommates and maybe yeah. even still sleep in the same bed.
1: Yeah.
0: And maybe still have sex with each other every once in a while.
1: Yeah. That was never talked about.
0: <laughs> yeah. We, we definitely don't talk about that thing that every <laughs> single person does everywhere.
1: Cause we all came from it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, that's really one of the things that the Dom sub-dynamic has done in our marriage is it's given us a a structure, a container, some intentionality around the way that we relate. Mm-hmm. And it's I know it's been very purposeful for me in giving me some understanding of what my role as a man and as a husband in this relationship is. Rather than just like trying to figure out how not to piss you off. Which is basically what I did for the first eight years. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I'm curious for you. what, What is it that dominance and submission has done for you that has made our marriage better?
1: The example of, well, I don't know what to call it because it's not just a role we play, but putting you as the leader and me as the follower has made so many more things feel easy. Especially because I didn't want to be in charge of things that before I just naturally was without thinking for multiple reasons. Like I was making so many decisions for my life that you let me make. (laughs) And I, and you probably never even thought that I would love for you to make them. And I didn't like me not thinking twice about them.
0: Yeah. You didn't really think that it would feel better for you if I made them either
1: no but like even in the previous eight years there were plenty of ways that I was like yep that's all for you perfect I don't want to deal with that like especially the finances yep um and so integrating you just being that decision maker especially if I think one thing and you think another, like you can't both have your way if um, there's really only one decision to be made. And so really being able to just share my heart, share my thoughts and know that you will consider everything and make the best decision for us. In everything, everywhere, in all of our lives. Yeah,
0: so I want to put a point on that before I let you continue. The We've never had a high conflict marriage. Not like what most people would probably assume conflict to mean. Right. But we had our fair share of disagreements and misunderstandings and not seeing eye to eye on certain things.
1: Well, when you're living in unconscious patterns, when you don't have the heated conflict, you have the stuffing. Right. And some resentment that builds. And-
0: exactly. But the, this way of doing things where we do have the the power dynamic, which really means the consciously agreed upon, consented to decision made of who's in charge and who's not that has eliminated any way that conflict really shows up in this relationship because to your point, there's no question as to who makes the decision when it comes down to it. If there's a problem, I'm going to be the one who's making the decision. If there's, if you want something and I want something different and we're both trying to get our way that's where conflict comes from. Yep. But in this in this relationship and specifically in dominance and submission the way that we do it, which is I do have the the final and complete authority on decision making and you have the absolute not just freedom to but the expectation that you will share with me everything that you are feeling in response to the situation and the decision that needs to be made so there's no conflict to be had because we both know how it's going to go and how it's going to end which is in me making the final decision so does that mean I just always run over you and do whatever I want and don't give a fuck about? yeah (laughs) <laughs>
1: no, not at all. I, I can't not make a joke about it because <laughs> I wouldn't even be in this relationship if that's how you showed up.
0: Exactly. So that's the point is when the conflict is removed. Now, I'm not trying to get my way at your expense or trying to convince you to give me what I want while you're trying to convince me to get what you want, yeah. now, because I know I get to make the, the final decision, now I can really tune into what it is you're desiring and, and also honor what I want and try to find a path that works for both of us. Mm-hmm. So there's no conflict and we end up in more win-wins.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And so that's one of the ways that dominance and submission has really impacted our relationship because it gets everything up on the table too. So there's no space for resentment to build when everything's being talked about openly and freely.
1: Yep. And like, I'm never afraid to bring up any concern, any fear, any desire, feel that I have, even when it changes A lot. (laughs) (laughs) And now I can embrace the like.
0: Wait, so you're saying women change their minds a lot?
1: I do. I can't speak for anyone else, but I do. And I can be like, you know what? I really want this and I really want this. So here you go. Make sense of that for us. Yeah. And be able to live in the trust that you will make the best decision for us. And I don't have to try to overthink and subtly control and manipulate you into getting what I think I want in the moment.
0: Right, because when you do have conflicting desires and your mind changes, and I need to make, for example, a long-term decision... First of all, that's why it's hard for you to make long-term decisions, right? Yeah. And I can know you, know your heart, know your desires, know what matters to you, and hear all of the things that you are feeling in the moment, and then make a decision that doesn't necessarily just mean I'm giving you what you want, but it's what I think is right for us. And I, that's one of the pieces that I'm able to do that because I feel the trust in you that you're not just going to flip out and try to change my mind or tell me I'm wrong or make me wrong.
1: I used to do that
0: all the time. (laughs) So again, back to our point, this is just one of many reasons why dominant submissive dynamics have made our marriage better than what it was.
1: Absolutely.
0: So talk to me and our viewers and listeners a little bit about what your examples were of marriage growing up and, and what your understanding of, of marriage was.
1: Well, (laughs) gosh, okay. Um, many know that i grew up in religion in the lutheran religion um so i was well educated in the bible and the depiction of marriage um you know honestly i don't feel like it it goes into a lot of detail and marriage wasn't really talked about but there you know there was these little statements like wives submit to your husbands and
0: And boy does that one trigger some people
1: you know what and rightly so because it all is based in these early childhood years of absorbing like the word submit i probably never ever heard that word anywhere else nor was it in my memory i'm sure i absorbed something if a pastor said it in a sermon because like, I was in church every Sunday. I went to Sunday school. I went to private school. Like, I, it was well absorbed.
0: You were heavily sheltered and highly indoctrinated.
1: Very. <laughs> and so it, you know, I don't feel like there was a lot of talk about marriage, but what I would say that I just saw a, a man and a woman cohabitating. <laughs> Again, like I said this before, sex wasn't talked about. So it was like this, well, gosh, I, I know my parents had sex because there's three of us girls, but yeah, so gosh, did I, it three
0: times, I, <laughs> right? I don't, I don't think they,
1: I, I, I don't think they do that anymore. And like, <laughs> I never brought it up. I didn't ask questions. Like, I, There was probably a part of me that I didn't want to know.
0: nobody wants to know that especially when you're a kid
1: no and then you know thinking about even like um affection like my parents gosh um I think I remember seeing them kiss like once or twice like not really holding hands um maybe one of the couples at church kind of did a little bit more, but even there, like, I don't remember absorbing that. And then when I come to like, start dating, I'm like physical touch, like galore, like hold hands in public and kiss in public. I didn't care. And so I felt kind of odd.
0: So for our, um, for our watchers and our listeners, what you're saying is that you were highly into public displays of affection
1: (laughs) um in small ways like (laughs) back then it was just like hold hands and like a peck on the cheek but
0: (laughs) it's a little more intense now
1: (laughs) (laughs) yes it is (laughs) i've embraced it fully um and it's fun and so really like back to my comment about roommates like th- that's really what I saw marriage and boy did I kind of fall into that once like that novelty wore off and the in the new relationship energy like things just kind of went like casual like we 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 still dated each other and had fun but there was a lot of that spark that was lost
0: It kind of went into the glide into essentially repeating what you saw from your parents. Yeah. Very similarly, in a very different way, not so heavily indoctrinated by religion. In my, my experience of my parents' marriage growing up, they basically just had two separate lives where, you know, mom was always very busy. And dad tried to avoid mom and never rock the boat and upset her. So, you know, that was what I really witnessed was this, this kind of separateness in, in that relationship and kind of in the way that you never saw a, a lot of affection, but then wanted it. Mm-hmm. I never saw a lot of attachment but when I started getting into relationships, I highly craved attachment.
1: I would agree with that same statement. I okay. didn't see, I didn't see that. I didn't really experience that in my parents, and absolutely, I wanted that.
0: But then, over those first eight years, before I put this collar on you, thank you, Eternity Colors. <laughs> um, before that. I I wanted more out of what this marriage was and out of what this relationship had become. But I did not have the, I'll say the strength or the resources, like the understanding, the knowledge to make it into what I thought was possible.
1: I remember you saying even early on, like when... <laughs> When my my spark (laughs) started to dwindle and we just, I was like in comfort. Yep. Um, I remember you saying, like, I don't believe the infatuation stage has to end. And I was just like, okay, but it did. (laughs) (laughs) So now what?
0: (laughs) Yeah. And the, like that excitement, that passion of the new, new relationship. That's the thing to me that I've always seen or at least wanted marriage to be able to be, which is a a space, a connection, a container of a relationship where when it starts off good that you can continue to build on that and get better and better over time. And the way that uh, the way that this works when you aren't conscious you aren't aware you aren't putting intentional effort into making that happen and we do just kind of glide into those old patterns and repeat things the way that we knew them to be in the past that if what we saw in our early years wasn't a relationship that continued to get more passionate, more loving, more intense, more filled with desire over the years, then we don't have a lot of chance of that being the reality in a new relationship unless we change how we're doing something with a lot of intention. And again, that's what I always wanted. And then it's one of the things that Power Exchange Dynamics has really given me the authority to do what needed to be done with each of us in our mental states and our emotional work and all of the different things that we had to do individually to kind of break those chains to the past so that we could live this relationship the way that we wanted to.
1: I think another... Another important aspect of our lives that you shifted was, you know, when we were kind of living in the other way of relating, we were also showing up differently and doing life very similarly to the typical like mm-hmm. corporate job. And you work and you try to have fun on the weekends and then you go back to work and it's like, oh, I don't really love my job. And so you know, along some of these um, other areas of our lives. And when you really started to take ownership in your life, like you, you started shifting things that now like impact what we have today, even before you asked me to be your submissive. Mm -hmm. And so you started creating and shifting our whole world in the direction well before which thank you (laughs) because again like I was just living in that survival mode of like trying to get through the day and head in the sand somewhat too
0: yeah so that was a big a big shift for me when I realized like not only is my work life not what I want it to be this marriage isn't what I wish it was Mm mm-hmm But I know that there's something in us that made that intense connection possible at the beginning, but I can't like, I can't grasp it. I can't do anything. It didn't feel like I could do anything to bring it back and left me feeling very helpless there. Mm -hmm. I felt very helpless and kind of stuck in a job that I was being emotionally and physically drained by. And, a lot of other things going on in my life, too, that left me feeling really powerless, and I, without even realizing I was doing it, I really did kind of adapt a victim mentality, which, newsflash, for the guys listening to this, it is about the least sexy thing you can do for your woman, is to um, not take responsibility for your life, and to play the victim rather than taking ownership for your life. And so that's what I had to shift.
1: I never would have said that about you before, but now looking back and then experiencing all of that shift in you, like I couldn't not notice it Mm. in a positive way, like what it was doing for me
0: yeah and so to your point that was a precursor to us coming into this dominant submissive dynamic but it was it was the point when i started to do what i now teach men about which is to take ownership and control of my life and to dominate myself first mm-hmm. to really dominate my own inner sense of weakness to take control of my reality, of my life, and to make it be how I wanted it to be. And when I sat and looked at the amount of debt that I had, how overweight I was, how much I hated my job, and how like helpless I felt in this marriage, I had a lot of things that were not how I wanted them to be. So I did have a lot of things to shift. But this was several years before we got into a dom sub dynamic that I really did start to dom myself to take control of myself and I wrote this earlier today in something I'm writing for this men's course that I'm going to be launching here within the next week or so pay attention if you're watching Um, that it was like up until that point I was trying to be the king of the suburbs (laughs) like I got the the really nice income I've got a pretty wife we got a beautiful house like nice cars like I was trying to be the king of the suburbs but it didn't get me anything that I really wanted so that was you know that was an important part of what dominance has become for me now was going all the way back to three plus years before we got into this power exchange dynamic to take the power back, I guess, of my own life.
1: Right. And so I like I witnessed you in all of those changes and they were very big. <laughs> like I witnessed how you were showing up in like fitness and taking care of your body. And, you know, you've only continuously done that, improved and fine-tuned what works for you. But at the time, like I saw all these Things happening. So when you came to me and asked me to be your submissive, there was this, like, already seeing you are taking charge for us. Mm-hmm. And there was this respect for you um, already, but you were giving me something now to actually follow, not in theory.
0: Right. Like,
1: it was actually consciously like even with a contract of what this would look like and what our relationship could be and what your promises to me were and like what it meant for me and so that shift into this that conscious intention of making this passion a priority was definitely a big turning point
0: One of the other things that dominance and submission has done in our marriage is it's brought intentionality also to the way get the right, the right language for this. It's brought intentionality to the way that we do romance. I saw this in in one of the messages in a the chat here on the live stream. Somebody mentioned rom- the word romance, and it made me kind of think about this. But when before we had these dynamics in our relationship where we have some built-in structure, there was a lot of the things that I did to relate to you romantically that were really a lot of neediness on my part, mm. trying to get you to feel a certain way about me so that I could experience you having some authentic affection or desire, for example. Yes. So while on one hand I was trying to be romantic and I was trying to be loving to you, when I look back at that, that's actually a pretty manipulative way to go about romance when. I'm not just giving to you because I purely just want to give to you. I'm really trying to get something from you with everything that I'm doing without speaking up and saying it or having any direct communication about what my needs are and how it is that I'm looking to have them met.
1: Yes. (laughs) And that just feels gross to the feminine
0: And it's a part of probably, I'm curious if you have any reflection on this, but it's probably a part of why I couldn't really tap into that authentic desire from you back then because there was this covert kind of manipulative energy behind the ways that I would give to you
1: well yes that was your part i also had a huge part in the suppression of my own sexuality so um, (laughs) absolutely
0: (laughs) okay and you just saying that gave me another thing that this has done for our marriage the way that we've learned to relate to each other with this much consciousness and intention has given both of us the sense of safety to do what you just did there, which was to say, yes, but here, like this is the part that I played in that. And so we have such open and clear communication available because of the structure of this relationship that ex- expects it and even commands that we do communicate everything. One of the things in our contract is transparency there's an expectation of absolute transparency on both of our parts to what the hell is going on with us. Yeah. So having that, having that transparency as a part of this relationship allows us to express everything and having structure around that communication has given us the opportunity to let all of those walls down and the defensiveness down and the blaming and the finger pointing and any of that, that would have ever gone on in the past just doesn't anymore.
1: And yes, all of that. And then because of the, um, emotional intimacy and the safety and the structure that you've given me, the frame that you've given me to lean into has allowed me to do that deep inner work that, I mean, the space that you created in my life long before I took advantage of it, (laughs) um, with a lot of patience, (laughs) um, like eventually I got to the point where I was able to see, um, my own patterns and see where I wasn't showing up for you as the wife I wanted to be, as the submissive I wanted to be. And so it's it's given me this ability um, to look inward and also the reflection of all of that acceptance from you to uncover some so much that I didn't know was there that was affecting my ability to tap into that desire for you that I was like, hello. Yep. It was there in the beginning cloud nine infatuation infatuation stage. Yes. How did, how do I access that again? And so you everything that you've created through your dominance and through the structure of our relationship gosh i i wouldn't be the same woman today if we didn't have this
0: i saw something earlier today i showed this to you where someone said online that i'm gonna have to paraphrase this but a lot of time, when you're going through trauma healing, when you're doing this deep kind of healing work, what you think and what you say and how you show up in the world are really not you until you've done some of this deeper work. You're showing up as a version of you that you created inside, usually as a child, to try to get love and acceptance from your parents and from the people around you. And then you sh- like, you continue to show up in that way your whole life, unless you do something about it. And that's what this deep healing work does because that version of, of you always had walls up. And
1: <laughs> this, this is the monkey covering its eyes emoji. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um and but so did mine like there were we we walk around and you've got your walls up which is basically you trying to protect your soft heart yes and your your vulnerable authentic self that never got seen met accepted and loved because that is so tender and has been had been so hurt You build these walls and you walk around with the walls and then I build my walls for the my own to protect my own gentleness and my own like pain on the inside. And now we are interacting with each other's walls. Yep. And that's where all defensiveness and finger pointing and blaming and everything comes when you've got two people who are battling with each other's egos when those fall away there's nothing to be defensive about because i'm okay you're okay this authentic self has had a chance to come out and be seen and witnessed and and be accepted by you and mine to be accepted by me and now if you say something to me like hey what you did really like i that really hurt when you did that there's there's the walls are gone you're not hitting a wall that's making me go no, oh, no you're wrong that's not true it, right we're we're interacting from a place of deep authenticity which comes back around to where i started this is it allows us to take responsibility for this the role that we each play whenever something doesn't go well and then the healing from that is so easy.
1: You know, back at the beginning of all of this, the word authenticity has was always there and like you wanted this to be authentic for me.
0: Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't accept anything else.
1: No, and I I didn't either. I understand it way better now even looking back. I was I'm thankful for the little glimpses of that authentic seeking for me too but what you you saw through my walls in a way that nobody else had in my life and you were able with your love your unconditional love and acceptance like you would penetrate through some of those walls Mm -hmm. and I felt something from you again and you know way that I'd never had before and so like that's just been the beautiful connection that we've had our entire marriage because I've said this before that it was always good I would have said it's great but I don't even know what word to use now like (laughs) incredible doesn't even quite feel right
0: so somebody like someone just asked in the chat about like how do you communicate past the walls um the truth mm. <laughs> speaking the truth of what you like of what i see in you
1: mm-hmm.
0: what i see about you again something i didn't feel safe to do before dominant submissive dynamics really helped me build a sense of confidence and assertiveness that was connected to heart that was still loving and kind but to be able to to say "Uh uh-uh bullshit to you Mm -hmm. like this is how everything about your experience of life has shown me this you're saying this but like what makes you excited what where you come alive, where I see you sparkle is when we're doing this over here that you're saying isn't for you.
1: Yep. And I will say, Oh, go
0: ahead. Being able to speak truth to your ego will blow that ego apart because now you, you essentially are, you're faced internally with, I've created cognitive dissonance in you. Yep. By blasting through those walls, by speaking truth and that can be done very lovingly but it can also it also needs to be very clear firm and direct when you're going up against everything that the other person has built in their life and in their experience to try to protect themselves you're going up against all of the beliefs and and understandings of how the world works that they've built since they were one <laughs> like since they were a toddler and so you have to be able to be very solid in how you in how you do that. But that's one of the biggest ways that that's happened here.
1: Yes. And what I was going to say before is there's a reason the expression is the truth hurts. Like, yes. When I would receive some of the statements that he would bring to me as truth, I'd be like, "Uh -uh." (laughs) (laughs) uh-uh. I would straight up be like, "Uh uh-uh. I don't think so, <laughs> but once- But without
0: the laughing, with more of a scowl and a and a disapproval energy of what it was that she didn't like to hear me yeah. say.
1: Yes, but couple things there. When a, tr- in my experience, when I received a truth and that penetrated me, it created that cognitive dissonance in me. So now I'm holding something that came from this man that i love and respect and that i'm committed to receiving and letting whatever that is like permeate me and wrestle with it in order to connect with my authentic self and so you know it's not just from your penetration this has been me committed to that authentic connection relentlessly seeking the ridding that emotional poison the garbage from my past all together and being vulnerable and talking about ways that i've been hurt in my past past relationships ways that i've self abandoned as i've realized Different things that come up, and being willing to share them with you without a fear of how you're going to react or receive them or anything, because you, as the masculine, get to receive these things and make sense of them in a way that I just can't for myself. And therefore, you connect with these truths and you're able to, like. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Yeah, poke I, me. <laughs> I have to be able to see you in order to in order to really know what it is that I'm saying. Yeah. Also, really important thing here that we can't have this conversation without mentioning trauma healing work done mm. individually. Yes. Because those walls are built out of the traumatic experiences, the painful experiences from the past. Yep and that can be what gets called big t traumas like the really big heavy traumatic events like abandonment by parental figures abuse like i could go on and on with yeah. all of like the, the really heavy duty traumatic experiences that we can go through as children and also as adults our bodies don't just let go of those we're walking around with that pain present in our body and that's what our walls are built out of but then it's also small t traumas like Mm -hmm. traumatic events that weren't necessarily things that you would think of as trauma as being maybe excessively painful but that were very um meaningful hurtful things that happened and this can be things like bullying and it can be things like um being cheated on and
1: being the only girl not invited to the birthday party
0: <laughs> like, literally that 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 was an experience was. that don had and, and i can it, laugh at it now but it it was showing up for you in ways that impacted your ability to have like solid relationships with other women as an adult mm-hmm so those walls are built out of pain and most people go through their lives just trying to avoid their pain and to t- teach their partner like okay here's all of the things that suck if you say them or do them and so try not to say them or do them <laughs> but that but that's like that's actually better than nothing
1: it it, it is it is it's some awareness
0: but what people don't realize is there are methodologies like EMDR, and I will like I will be a, a street corner preacher for EMDR therapy for the rest of my life because it changed my life. If if you are watching or listening to this and you like think anything good about me, everything that you see and know of me is present and possible because of EMDR.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because what it does is it takes that that wall that's built out of pain and it heals that pain. It heals that wound and then files that memory away as just something that happened in the past rather than being something that is presently causing stress, tension in the relationship. So another It's like
1: voodoo magic.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And there are other methodologies too. These are called somatic- treatment uh, methodologies so somatic experiencing therapy is one of them and there are many more also but um you know that's one of the things that became a piece of this dynamic and this is where i'd like to go next with this is me being able to see where there was healing necessary and using my Authority the my dominance and your willingness to follow me where I want to take you One of the things that doms get really frustrated with their subs about is when We are trying to lead and you don't follow you can't follow or you begrudgingly or performatively follow It's frustrating for the person trying to lead. So one of the things that I have done for a long time in this relationship is to use my authority in this relationship to lead you to places of doing your own healing work. Because instead of just trying to force you to do what I want you to do, what I've tried to do is set you free from all of the things that would stop you. Yeah. And without the structure of these power exchange dynamics, we wouldn't have that sort of dynamic in our relationship where I could have told you that you need to do EMDR therapy.
1: Yeah. Because this goes back to that consent of like you're in charge and like it's that's not just a statement Mm -hmm. like there's commitment to the roles for a lack of a better way the leader and the follower like there is complete respect and i'm it's not it with all the love and devotion
0: Another question someone asked, as a man, how do you show Dawn that you're listening and understand without judging? And the best answer I have for that is by not trying to fix or change anything about what she's experiencing, by just receiving it.
1: Mm-hmm. Your presence?
0: Yeah, like presence is the is the word here. So when I say presence, and I want to hear you reflect on this. When I say presence, it really means being grounded in myself. When you are feeling outwardly, (laughs) you're expressing and I'm receiving, I'm listening. It's for me to be very present with myself, to be calm, grounded, to breathe deeply. Like men, breathe deeply. um, And allow, and just listen just receive and to be present so what does that do for you when i'm able to just just receive you and and be present
1: it allows my full experience to come to the surface all of the tears whatever feelings need to come maybe it's anger but it allows me to soften into it and to feel it fully and then be able to let it go too now if you were like and this is a this is a felt experience in me of where you are so if you if we're trying to have a conversation and you're trying to think of how you're going to respond to me or what you're going to say next or how you're going to fix me and help me get out of this emotion. I'm going to feel you as being disconnected and not here with me.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And so when the more that you've just connected to that strength and that acceptance and everything that you are for me, without a doubt, I know that I can come to you in any moment and just give you it all And I'm going to feel it. You're going to receive it. And most of the time it's like gone. We're good (laughs) Mm -hmm. now.
0: Yeah. When there's no resistance from me, Mm -hmm. your feelings just come out of you and then they kind of dissipate. Yeah. And what's left behind after that is generally just a version of you that I get to experience. That's just kind of bubbling with love and joy and kind of moment to moment. Um, happy, moment-to-moment yeah. happiness.
1: Yeah. Now, you know, before when I was going through getting that emotional garbage from the past out, I, I wasn't able to connect with that just infinite love and joy and happiness that's there, that Eros, aliveness in the way that now it's just, it's present. You know, before I'd probably sit there and feel things for a day or two or whatever sometimes and then there was more and <laughs> like it w- it was much different but that was all temporary
0: it's a way here's a way to think about this for the people who are wondering like how do i just let her <laughs> unload on me without like doing something about it but, because the the desire to do something is a loving desire to help yes Like, when you're having a hard time and you're bringing that to me, the natural male masculine response is going to be problem, solution. And the solution might be a damn good one. But the reality is, just because you're feeling it doesn't mean it's a problem. And so, rather than looking at trying to figure out your problem and then apply a solution to it. Here's the way to think about it for the guys that are listening or watching this and want to do better at this. Look at the solution, the best solution you can apply in the moment when she's having big emotions and big feelings, the best solution you can apply is to become a container, mm-hmm. like a with a check valve if you're into plumbing think a check valve a one-way valve where she's just going to feel this and it's going to come through into you and you're going to just hold on to it and that's the solution try it try it just like just receive it hold it and then if there's things to talk about or ways you can maybe be helpful to her Bring it up when she's not in the midst of feeling the big emotion. Do it later when everything's calmed down. You're like, Or you can either bring come back to her in more of that conversation, or if you're in a dominant-submissive dynamic or a relationship where you have the authority to lead and make changes in your relationship, maybe don't even talk about it. And just change the way that you're doing life so that that problem that she had that got her to that place in the first place doesn't happen anymore or it's less likely to happen. And just solve the problem without looking for her approval if that's a possibility in a certain situation.
1: And sometimes we just need to cry. As (laughs) you want to know, it just came up in my mind. (laughs) so I don't know how many years ago this was now quite a few when my GMC Yukon Denali mm. my favorite vehicle ever was starting to have engine issues and this was like three years into having it or just like under three years of having yeah, it something it was, like that
0: it had 55,000 miles ahead engine and transmission problems
1: yeah and so you started talking about like getting rid of it and I was like No, like this is my favorite vehicle ever. It felt like I was a princess and it was my chariot. Like that's, you surprised me with this vehicle. It it was just amazing. And I cried when we got rid of that thing and you didn't. So then we bought the truck that we have now to pull our fifth wheel camper, which was much earlier than we needed it. But you didn't try to tell me like, no, but you're going to get a new truck now, and it's going to it's gonna be a one-ton diesel, and it's going to be this, and it's <laughs> going to be that, and now you get to blah, blah, blah. You just let me cry about it, and I felt it, and I knew I was going to follow you and just start driving another vehicle, but you let me cry about it mm-hmm. and just have whatever feelings that I needed to have about it, and then they were gone.
0: And then we got this one ton diesel and you drove that around and you looked really sexy driving a (laughs) diesel heavy duty truck around for a while. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Good point in the chat. What is EMDR? It stands for eye movement, desensitization and reprocessing. It's a modality of therapy that helps your brain release attachment to trauma to traumatic experiences from the past that are still so your brain will still fire as though the traumatic experience is happening now and this therapy modality allows you to essentially let it go so yes it's an it's an eye movement therapy So before we close this podcast out, it is, as we've mentioned several times, our anniversary tomorrow. It is also Don's birthday this week. Yep. So it is a a big week and a fun week for us every year where we get to do a lot of celebrating. And I have a few birthday messages from our followers and our clients that I wanted to share with you here live so you can hear a couple of these. And if those of you who are live with us have any birthday messages for Dawn, like to share how she's impacted your life, we'd love to hear it.
1: It's my birthday week, apparently. (laughs) Or birthday month.
0: So here's the first one. Happy birthday, Dawn, and happy anniversary. I just wanted you to know how much I appreciate the personal examples you share and how open you are with your own experiences. You have such a kind and giving soul, it's easy to see why everyone, including Andrew, loves you. Hope you have a great day.
1: Thank you to whoever that was.
0: I'll leave the names off of the live stream, but I'll show Obviously. you I'll show you later. The second one came on Instagram. Happy birthday, Dawn. Having the privilege of hearing your experiences and journey has helped me greatly on my own journey as well. You've shown me how possible it is to reach a life of love with a partner. I've learned from you, Don, that emotions aren't something that need to be controlled or pushed down, but need to be felt. Thank you for all you've shown me just by being authentically you. All your love and support has been so greatly appreciated. I look forward to learning more from you both through your podcasts and courses.
1: Thank you to whoever that
0: was. <laughs> and there's the other one, Don. I'm forever thankful for finding you both. It's transformed my life in ways you cannot imagine, Don. Through you, I've learned how there's so much empowerment in submission. Not when it's coming from fear of disappointment or people pleasing, but when it's coming from our choice. To embody our truest essence and self. Thank you so much for your testimony. It is a gift to us all. Thank you. I was intent on making her cry here tonight, (laughs) and I think this last one is going to really do it.
1: If I was deep in my luteal, I'd be in tears a long time ago. (laughs)
0: All right, so this one's a little bit long, but it's beautiful, so I'm going to read the whole thing to, to you here. Happy birthday and anniversary, Fearless Dawn. I followed Sophie Josefina, which was a a podcast that we were on about a year ago, a little over a year ago now, and I saw a clip about her interview with you and Andrew on YouTube. I listened mostly out of curiosity because I wanted to see what a submissive woman would be like, and to be honest, I was not expecting much. I know that sounds terrible now but I had assumed any submissive woman would be kind of a doormat and maybe even have serious self-esteem issues. I kept thinking, why would anyone do this? However, within the first few minutes, I realized my assumptions were very wrong. Here was a strong, intelligent woman who was actively choosing to do this and for great reasons I had never even considered. As I followed you on social media, I kept seeing how much Dawn continued to thrive in this dynamic. I'm still inspired and astonished at the depths she's willing to go to to be authentic to herself and her devotion. It's just beautiful. Thank you, Dawn, for sharing this deeply personal journey with us and for all of your priceless insights, wisdom, and genuine care in your comments. Not to mention that you and Andrew's love and devotion to each other continue to be so damn inspiring. Thank you for showing showing us what that looks like, too. I hope you have a wonderful, incredible birthday. Thank you. And for all of you who shared in the chat as well, we appreciate you. We thank you for being here live with us and for wishing us a happy anniversary and birthday and joining us in our little celebration here. So thank you again for joining us live and we hope you've enjoyed the Dumb Sub-Devotion podcast live.
1: This was fun having all of you here with us. So I would love to do this again.
0: Yeah, definitely added a lot of energy just to know that you were here listening and watching along with us. So thank you.
1: Yeah, thank you very much. We appreciate all of you. Sending so much love to every one of you.
0: Good night, everyone.